Today, on Commitment to Truth. Listen, church, listen. The Bible gives us precedence of this, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. The world doesn't. We can't expect the world to give policies and procedures on how to love right. This community that we're part of, it prepares us to go into all the world and spread the love of Jesus to every nation, tribe, and tongue. Nobody else has that privilege or the power to do so but us. And the only way we can happen, it can happen is through the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He himself is our peace. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, we continue a series titled, By the Book on Ephesians, A New Community. In this series, our pastoral team will take us through the entire book of Ephesians to encourage us to understand our new community identity and to practically walk it in real life. Here is Pastor Cedric, lead pastor of Commitment Church, with today's message. Number seven in our final two areas of our new community, we're gonna turn with, if you could turn with me now to chapter two, verses 11 through 13. Number seven, I'm gonna finish out in our final two truths of our new community. Verse 11 says, therefore, remember that previously you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Now, contextually speaking here, what you have is here is the Gentiles who are categorically everyone other than the Jews. The Jews were commanded to circumcise. Okay, it's a circumcision made with hands and and. And it was supposed to happen before the eighth day. Now, there's so many reasons why before the eighth day. A couple in particular. One, because God told you to do it. Obedience. That's what he wants. Just do what I tell you to do. Secondly, before the eighth day, there's no feeling down there, believe it or not, on a boy before the eighth day. Showing mercy. Thirdly, it was because for medicinal reasons. Back then, we didn't know it. Now we do. Medicinal reasons. They didn't have proper hygiene and all those different things. So he was also preserving the tribe. Doesn't it sound familiar? Hey, Cedric, it's written. Just do what I tell you to do. Matter of fact, you should probably do it now. Because if you don't do it now, be not deceived. God is not What you sow is what you're going to reap. Well, why do I have to do it? I need to do it because, Cedric, it will preserve you. It will preserve me from what? Something you don't even know, don't even see that's coming down the road. Same truth, same principles. But yet you have this, this what the scriptures call grafting in the Gentiles into the body of Christ. So let's keep reading. <clears throat> it says, remember that you were at that time, this is verse 12, separated from Christ, excluded from the people of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. 
But now, in Christ Jesus, you who previously were far off or far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Been brought near by the blood of Christ. What does all this mean to you and I? Is that in this community that God has given you and I, it's a group of unforgotten people. You see, so many times we'll look at our lives and we would somehow get so twisted to think that we're not a part of this community because I was born without a father. I don't know my dad. Then I have all of these emotional you know, issues and mental gymnastics that are going in my head and my heart because my dad wasn't really there. My dad didn't give me everything I needed, so I don't trust my heavenly father. You're unforgotten. You're unforgotten. You know, so many times we may think that, well, you know, because of this, how can I be a part of this community? Well, you don't understand how bad my life was. You don't understand even my thoughts that I have today. How can I be a part of such a community? Because no one's forgotten. For God so loved the world. And the world is the world. That whoever is whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He wishes that none perish, but all will come to the saving knowledge of his son. So let's look deeper here. Think about this. Some key words. He says in verse 11, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh. Verse 12, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The word remember means this, to be mindful of. It means to call to mind, to think of and feel for a person. God feels for you. It also means to hold in memory. Don't ever forget what Jesus Christ has done to adopt you into the community. You're an unforgotten community. This word near, it says we were brought near. It means to brought near of a place and a position. But here's the important part of this definition. Those who are near access to God. So because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, those who were so far off, and I was so far off, we were all so far off. Even, even if you were that person who never got in trouble because of your sin you are so far off he has now given you and I clear access to him access to him now I want to give you an example there's this group of people that were um, worshiping what they called an unknown God go back and read and and read Acts chapter 17 Acts chapter 17. Now, I can't give you all of it, but I will give you a quick summary. So here's Paul. He arrives at this place called Mars Hill. These guys and gals, I guess, were, uh, were making these sacrifices and, and worshiping at this altar. And listen what it had on the altar. To the unknown God. 
to the unknown God. And this is how Paul responds to him. Verse 23. You worship in ignorance. In other words, who are you really, really worshiping? Remember, Romans chapter 1 says that the heavens declares his glory. And he says, to the point, summarizing chapter 1, that we would then be without excuse, every one of us. Even someone in a remote land who has no internet, no television, no communication, will be without excuse. So then Paul goes on to say in chapter, 26, chapter 17, verse 26 to 28, it says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, now, hold on to this. It says, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. So listen, God has appointed and assigned you to grow up exactly where you grew up. Live with who you exactly live, who you live with, or not even know your parents. He set those boundaries. God had it in his mind to allow me to grow up in Compton, California, doing a drug time, gang time, the last of eight kids to see total chaos in my community. I can choose right now to make that an excuse. Or I can say, you're the one who set up my boundaries and created me exactly who I am. Today, you probably grew up without your parents. Maybe you don't even know your dad. Maybe you hate your family, hate your parents, hate your life. Let's keep reading. Having determined their appointed times and their boundaries of their habitation. Why? So that they will seek God. Do you realize me growing up in Compton, California had something to do with me eventually seeking God? So you can flip the coin and say, well, maybe if I grew up in suburbia, had everything, didn't have to stress out over anything, didn't have to be concerned about riding my bike at night and all these different things, would I have ever come to the place where I'm at today? Maybe, maybe not. But what we find here is that you receive these boundaries from God that you will eventually seek him. So dream with me now. Can you imagine someone who's living in the jungle? There's people still living on this earth that we don't even know where they live. They're there because one day, you know what they're going to do? They're going to be sitting, maybe looking up at the trees. They're going to see a raindrop fall from a leaf and stand in awe of God because of a raindrop. Because his creation speaks of his glory. That they'll look at snowflakes coming down and see that each one of them take on a different shape and stand in awe of God. They'll look up at the mountains that no human being was ever 
able to, to climb and stand in awe of God. Because God never puts anyone in a box, if you would, or in a place and say, you're going to be there and I'm going to forget about you. So again, in your mind, the enemy can say to you and play tricks on you, well, I can't believe you don't understand how my parents did this and, and did that or didn't do this. And, and you're looking at that box and you're saying, well, you know, God, if it could have been different for me, but God is saying to you, no, no, no. I strategically created that box so that you will seek me. Because I haven't forgotten you. All the emotions and all the experiences you had to go through will add up to something. Because I haven't forgotten you. That they will seek me if perhaps they may grope for him. The word grope means this, to seek after tokens of a person. In other words, I, ju I just got to find him somewhere. So this is what happens even in our contemporary. Something happens tragic in Hawaii. And for whatever reason, everybody in Hawaii lives in Hawaii. I just learned that Hawaii at one time was about 95% believers. Now it's 5%. The place that everybody wants to go to. Just learned from a, a counterpart, he says, it was like a war zone. Dead bodies here, there, sprawl. He says, and the weird thing was there would be a, a house in the middle and all the houses burn around. Just house here, everybody's burned. This house, random house, everybody's house burned. Bodies. He said people literally had to jump in the ocean and they had to swim out 100 yards into the ocean and tread water because the heat was so great. Many people drown. Daylight comes, dead bodies all around. In Hawaii. But you know what he said to us, myself and some other counterparts, he says, but the passage in James has become so real to us like never before that your life is but a vapor. So you know what's happening now in Hawaii? That they would seek God. Now did God cause the fire? No. But what he would do is cause all things to work together for your good. 
So you can be, your life could be a Hawaii. You follow what I'm saying? The, you know, your parental structure, your family structure, and you just like dreading life. But that you will seek him. And find him. Because he says this. Though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and exist. We all have our Mars Hill story. And we need to wrap our heads around that God has not forgotten me. Nor has he forgotten them, whoever they are in your life. He has not forgotten, nor will he ever forget anyone. Anyone. We were far off, but now we're near. And now we have complete access because he has never forgotten us, nor will he ever forget anyone who comes after us. Amen? Lastly, we find in verses 14 through 22. It says, for he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the divining wall by abolishing in his flesh the hostility which is in the, the law composed of commandments expressed in ordinances so that in him he might make the two one new person in this way establishing peace now understand the jews and the gentiles just didn't get along first of all the jews are very arrogant and god literally says in romans i have grafted them in to make you jealous You don't want to serve me? Okay, that's cool. I'm bringing everybody else but you in the camp. And believe it or not, that is still the God's heart. It's like, okay, I'm for everybody. Okay, you don't want to do what I say. You don't want to take care of others. Okay, well, I'll take care of them for you. And I'll just bring them on with you. And, and, and now I'm making things even more complicated. And then I'm going to charge you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And that's going to be your assignment until the day you die. I'm for everybody. So when you look at this, let's go further. It says, so that in him he might make the two one new person in this way establishing peace and that he might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death hostility and he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near think about that peace to those who already know about him and peace to the ones he's trying to bring in for through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. 
Verse 21, in whom the whole building being fit together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. The last point is this. We are a unified community. May not act like it sometimes. In the last few years, we didn't act like it at all. But here's our challenge. No matter one's race, culture, socioeconomic class, Christ comes first. You are who you are. You can't deny it. Look in the mirror every single day. But our ongoing challenge on this side of heaven is this, that I belong to the kingdom of God first, that I am a child of God. Listen, even before being a son of Lewis and Dorothy Brown. That I'm of, I'm, of, I'm of a holy nation, a royal priesthood, set apart. Yeah, am I black? I don't even know. Listen, at the end of the day, my granddaddy was Jewish and Native American. And we all mix breeds, to be truthful. But if I'm categorized as black, whatever, however it is, right, in America, in this society, at the end of the day, my first race now is in Christ and Christ alone. Yes. Can I deny that I am who I am? No. But here's the deal. The beautiful thing about the body of Christ is he takes who you are, blends it all together. We become one tribe, one nation, under one God in one household. And, and I believe what God has called us as a church is to this. Listen, we stumbled across it. You can talk to Lisa. God saw fit. Raised me in Compton, California. Last of eight kids. The only whites I saw were those speeding through Compton. To excel in sports, to get a scholarship that I had, I could have gone many different places, even stayed home, chose out of all the people, all places, Wazoo, Washington State University in Pullman, Washington, 20,000 students. Out of the 20,000, 2% were black. I was the only black outside of the professor in my black history class. No pressure. <laughs> I should have known all the answers, right? <laughs> but here's the deal. Changed my life. Changed my life seeing future farmers of America on campus. Like, what in the world is this group? Future farmers of America? Changed my life. Changed my life radically when Laura Brandon, who was my nutrition teacher, plucked me out of the classroom of 2,000 students because her son was my fan and said, hey, can you come to our house for dinner? Radically changed my life. She was blonde hair, blue eyes. He was, her husband, blonde hair, blue eyes. Three boys, blonde hair, blue eyes. Never in my life ever sat down at the table with anyone outside of my own race or culture until then. Changed my life. Turned my world upside down and say, dang, all these rumors I heard, wrong. All these lies, wrong. Fast forward. 
I'm now in ministry, and I'm praying one day, and the Lord just, you know how he just subtly speaks to you in the quietness of your heart, says, the Brandons are Christians, call them. I'm just randomly, I'm like, what? This was pre-Google. I 411 them, because I knew they lived in Moscow, Idaho. You don't even know where Moscow, Idaho is, do you? <laughs> there's a Moscow, Idaho, that's where they live, and that's where I went to dinner. And I just randomly, 411, hey, Laura Brandon, Moscow, Idaho. Got the number, called her. She said, Cedric, you wouldn't believe it. We were just talking about you. I start sharing what God is doing in my life. I'm in ministry and so forth. And I said, Lord, I got to ask you a question. Are you a Christian? She says, absolutely. Absolutely. We love the Lord. Laura and Larry Brannon never told me about Jesus. But they sat me at their table with their little boy who's a flan of a black dude from Compton and let me sit at the table influence their sons. Fast forward time, about two, three years ago, we had this reunion of all of the uh, players who played and Laura said, you need to find Laura and Larry. Call them. They said, you wouldn't believe it. We normally go back and forth to Arizona. We're in town. We go to Moscow, Idaho, meet Laura, Larry, and Josh, the little boy who I was his fan. Now he's a grown man with his own family. So I'm saying to the Lord, Lisa's now meeting this influential family. This is, this is deep. Lisa's now meeting this influential family that I t always told her about. And they're loving on Lisa, and we love loving on each other. And I say, I want to let you know I love you all, and I'm so thankful of what you did for me. And you know what they said to me? said, you know, you don't know what you did for our family. He says, we love you and you will always be a part of our family. This is 40 years later. 40 years later. That I could have easily took the advice of all the knuckleheads that I grew up with and lived with and called family at that, you follow what I'm saying? About perception of people and not sat at that table. Truth be told, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for them. Not knowing that one day God would say, you know what, Cedric, you're going to be in, in scenarios that will blow people's mind. You're going to be the only one. Because that's the beautiful about a multi-ethnic church is this. I can find myself in a be the only one in a community of a whole bunch of other people and be okay. I can't tell you how many times I preached at Catholic churches because they didn't want the priest to preach, but they wanted me to preach. I can't tell you how many bed sides I've been next to and leading grandfathers to the Lord because he took me, placed me, and took me to another place. He set my boundaries that I am who I am today. We're a unified community church. 
And we got to get to a place that, no, 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 no. Yeah, I get who I am. Yeah, I get what society may call me, but I know who I am because of him. And my confidence rests in him. Now, here's the challenge. The cool thing is that, yeah, growing up in Compton and all these other dynamics, there's a stewardship responsibility. Because God put me there, therefore I have to be able to steward in a way that says, okay, God, I'm not going to be mad that you, you allow me to be black in America and black in Compton and have all these nuances related. Because I was, I was so twisted before Jesus that I didn't want to tell people I grew up in Compton. Because of the perception. Folks hiding their purses and locking their doors. I mean, I got that in college. Oh, you from Compton? Oh, <laughs> so we walked around. Uh, seriously, all the guys from Compton, because it was called the Compton Connection. A lot of good athletes came out. And we used to say, oh, we're from L.A. Where are you from, L.A.? What? Kind of lie. It was L.A. County. But the Lord says, no, you don't get it, man. I, Cedric, I made you who you are. You grew up in that location because it's for my glory and it's for the good of others. So don't ever deny who I made you to be. So the challenge we face is you are who you are because God made you who you are. But how do you steward who you are? You can't stop being who you are. You follow me? You are who you are, but how do you steward it to help others? And that's what we didn't see a few years ago. You follow what I'm saying? With COVID and everything blew up with all the racial tension, the church did not steward who they were, who they are. Listen, church, listen. The Bible gives us precedence of this, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. The world doesn't. We can't expect the world to give policies and procedures on how to love right. This community that we're part of, it prepares us to go into all the world and spread the love of Jesus to every nation, tribe, and tongue. Nobody else has that privilege or the power to do so but us. And the only way we can happen, it can happen is through the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why it says, it says, he himself is our peace. The only way you're going to be able to be vulnerable to someone who doesn't look like you, you have to be peace. You have to have the peace of God inside. You have to be good in your skin. And most people who aren't are people who struggle with the walls being torn down. That's where peace means this exemption from the rage and havoc of war. James says, what's the source and quarrels of your conflicts among you? Isn't that a rages war on the inside of your members? If you don't have peace from rage and havoc on the inside, you're not going to extend peace to people who don't look like you. Peace between individuals, harmony, security, safety, prosperity of the Messiah's 
peace, the way that leads to a salvation of Christianity, the tranquil state of soul, assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing, listen to what it says, and fearing nothing from God. Fearing nothing from God, and here's the cool, and content with its earthly lot. I'm content by saying I'm Cedric David Brown, last of eight kids who didn't have much, and I had hand-me, hand-me, hand-me-downs, holes in my shoes, et cetera, et cetera, and had, didn't, I didn't realize how much we didn't have food on our tables until my mother told me as a grown man. I'm content with what God gave me. Are you content with what God gave you? And then it says, of whatever so sort that is. So however it looks for you, are you content? And this is what happens next. He breaks down the barriers. The word break down means to loose one's bound, to set free, to undo, to do away with. That's victory. That's unity. Only through the peace of Christ we become one and the walls are breaking down. And then lastly, you find out of this unified, I want to give you this outside of him tearing down this enmity and this friction and this, he gives us the privilege of being fellow citizens and under the household of God. It's all founded on Jesus. Verse 20, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So you can Google one day what a cornerstone is, but let me give you what I found. This definition says, the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. As the first stone laid, it becomes the reference point for all other stones laid subsequently to it. Christ is your reference point. It also is defined this way. Everything finds its definition in this one piece. What are you finding your definition in? Is it in the chief cornerstone? It says, that's how you know if it's straight and true. We'll never know if stuff is straight and true by listening to Fox News, CNN, whatever, NN, whatever you want to look at. You'll never know if it's straight and true. The only way we're going to determine if it's straight and true is by keeping our eyes on the cornerstone who is Christ and Christ alone. And that's in which this community is built upon is the chief cornerstone. You can't even look at each other because we'll confuse each other. But keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Let me end with this, please. First of all, I want you to go home and read chapter three on your own. That's your homework assignment. Uh, you're going to find this has to do with Paul's stewardship and his responsibility to the church and, and, and to the gospel. But then also verses 14 through 21, you, you see Paul's prayer for the church. Go home and read it and pray it for us. But then I'm going to ask one last time today, why community? 
There's something called today a double pandemic. And it has to do with social isolation and COVID. And this article said this, there's robust evidence links of social isolation to increased risk of death from all causes and increased morbidity across a variety of physical health outcomes. These well-established risks are a result of chronic effects over time. Social isolation and loneliness do have immediate effects that are health-related that should not be ignored. Given the humans are a social species, this is our biology signaling a need to reconnect socially. Just like hunger signals us to eat, thirst signals us to drink water. Proximity to others, particularly, it says, trusted others signals safety. It says, when we lack proximity to trusted others, our brain and body may respond with a state of heightened alert. This can result in increases in blood pressure, stress hormones, and inflammatory responses. It even talked about overeating. And some people talk about COVID. He's like, I gained a lot of weight, and I gained a few pounds. It says, which, if experienced on an ongoing basis, could put us at risk for a variety of chronic illnesses. Immediate effects of social isolation related to the pandemic have already been observed with surges of mental health concerns, substance abuse, and domestic violence. Furthermore, listen to this, more than 2 million Americans purchased guns during the month of March. The second highest monthly total in the, dec in the decades since such record records have been kept, raising concern for an increase of suicide. There was a whole bunch of more data that I could have gave you. But here's our challenge. Social distancing and isolation within the body of Christ, this new community that we have, it also has a deadly effect. You see, no matter how much we try to get along without people, without this community, can't survive. can't survive as a single man or woman, can't survive as a, as a couple, you can't survive as a businessman or woman, you, you just are not created to do it alone. Can you imagine a human body with just a head? Can you imagine a human body with, with just feet? I mean, it, it's it's incomprehensible, right? But that's how we try to live. Well, I don't need to connect. I don't need to get close to anyone. Well, you know, I've been hurt before and we could come up with excuse after excuse after excuse, but you can't go it alone and you will not survive. You see, isolation also caused what I like to coin today, uh, a, a spiritual illness. Isolation, ultimately, if we try to live without this eternal community, will also lead one to spiritual suicide. You just die. You'll kill yourself. 
because we're not created to be alone. You're not created to be alone as a mother, as a woman, as a man. You're, you're not, your children are not created to play only with their family members. They're not created. It's just not the way he designed it. You will die. So as I shared earlier today, I always like to give this example, like especially in a new members class, because I, I, I choose not to pr promote this church. My choice is to promote the church. Because he'll always take care of us. If it's about his church, he'll take care of the little church called commitment. But one thing is true. So this is what I always say. And I'm not advocating that you do this, but just... Imagine this. <laughs> Cut your hand off. Sit it on the table. What's going to happen to your hand? Still belongs to you. Still has your fingerprints. But it's going to die. It decays. Slow decay. And that's the trick of it all. One slowly decays. And don't even know it. Drift. The drift is so subtle. But then what happens to the body? There's a body who's missing you. There's a body who is now handicapped. You can go down the list. Because you're not attached. So our challenge is to become men and women who realize that no, I need to be fully engaged with the church, this community. And that's why I want to end with this passage, which some of you may know in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. It gives two since, S-I-N-C-E. Since we, since we. Then it gives three let's. So in other words, since this, let's do this. Since this, let's do this. So just track with me, please. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Remember, we've been learning all that, right? By new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, through his flesh. He died, buried, rose again. We can do what? Enter this holy place. Then verse 21, it says, since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Pastor isn't. No leader is, but he is, right? Here's the beginning of the, 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 the three let's. Let's approach God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The second let's. Then it says, let's hold firmly. So let's approach and let's stand firm to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Let's approach him. Let's hold firm. Here's the last let's. Then let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds. Figure it out, church. How can I encourage each other? Text. Hey, thinking of you, bro. Hey, love you. Hey. We have so many ways to consider 
Consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds. Here's number 25. Not abandoning our own meeting together, as is the habit of some people. Well, I'm good. I just watch online. Oh, I'm good. I just keep missing. I, uh, just, I just keep, well, let's go hang out as a family. Oh, let's go. You got seven days. Just saying. Seven days. Can't figure out how to spend time with each other those other six days. If you can't, go be with Jesus and figure it out. Manage your time. Don't take time away from God. Not abandoning our own meeting together as is the habit. So it's a habit. We get into bad habits. Doesn't say you can't go on vacation, but don't get in a bad habit, right? Because that's what happens. It becomes habitual. But encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Anybody believe can say, man, the day is drawing near? Look around us. And listen, would it be just like the enemy who says, oh, here's COVID. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to capitalize on this. I'm just going to isolate the church and get them in the habit of isolation. Especially when the day is drawing near. Think about what the text is saying. It says, especially when the day is drawing near, you should be Approaching God, holding firm, and considering being with each other. Not doing the opposite. This is the community that God has for each one of us. This is not a guilt trip, just for the record. <laughs> this is a lifestyle that my wife and I has chosen to adapt. Because as I mentioned, I'm, a, I'm, I'm thousands of miles away from my biological family. Lisa is miles, her closest relatives in Georgia. All of our marriage and family history has been away from our biological family. And you know who's been family to us? You. Every church, we've never left a church because we didn't like the pastor or whatever. It was always a transition that God was moving us forward to even here. We never, we never relocated because it was just more money. We relocated because, God, you're doing something there. So we're going where you are at work. And then you know what happened? Money came along with it. Never decision on that. It was... We want to make sure we are where God wants us to be in a community where we're supposed to be because our souls depend on it. And you know who became our family? You. And man, I tell you that I don't know how to convince you anymore to say, man, my dependence is on you just as much as you depend on me to telling you the truth every single Sunday and living it every single day of my life. 
Have that, do I have the opportunity now to be with everybody every time? No, but you can rest assured, you're a part of our conversation every single day, every part of our lives. Because you're the community that we want to be a part of. And I challenge you today, if you're not a part of a community, be a part of a community. If it ain't here, go somewhere else. It's okay. But be a part of a community that's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus is evident. And trust me, listen, a rat can smell a rat, if you know what I'm talking about. And hopefully you're not smelling rats here, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you could tell if a hug is real, a handshake, a look, you can tell. You can, listen, we're all sinners, trust me. Sin, no sin. <laughs> and you can tell if people are faking the funk. You know what I mean? So, I don't know if that, that's not in the Bible, but you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know, getting a little emotional here, but you follow me? But my, my, my point in that is that, man, if this is what God is saying, take the dive. We're all going to stumble and bumble on our way. Don't, don't be so easily offended. Just have thick skin and we'll be fine. Move, you know, you know or, or be wherever God wants you to be. Makes sense because, man, we need each other. Amen. Thank you again for listening to our latest sermon series, From Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Through this series, we hope you are encouraged to understand your new community identity. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org. And if you live in the Philadelphia, Delaware, or South Jersey area, we would love to see you in person as well. You can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. Thank you again for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day.